You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome to this Valentine's Day Eve edition of Grab Them by the Pod. I am Kevin along with Jesse, and there's been a lot going on in Washington, D.C. this week. So, Jesse, tell them what you got tonight. Well, there's been a lot going on with the GOP, specifically the Trump White House. They've had a couple wins, but I think they've had really more losses and a really bad week. And we'll start off by talking about Rob Porter. Uh, on February 7th, White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter resigned after domestic abuse allegations came up from both his former wives. And I'm not just saying one wife. That's two wives that are accusing him of domestic abuse. That's not good. Yes, wives, plural, should say something about the man's character. Yeah, and by the way, he's also supposed to be supposedly dating White House Communications Director Hope Hicks. So, Hope, if you're listening, run. Run while yeah, you look can. look out. <laughs> uh, Connecticut's own Hope Hicks. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people from Connecticut we're talking about today. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, the Daily Mail published a copy of the protective order obtained by Porter's uh, second wife back in 2010. And later, they published pictures of his first wife with a black eye that she says came from Porter punching her. And you know, allegations are bad, but as in physical proof, again, it's just not looking good. Uh, Porter has stated that these he says what he says exactly. These outrageous allegations are simply false. I took the photos given to the media nearly 15 years ago, and the reality behind them is nowhere close to what is being described. Now, maybe so she tripped and fell into your <laughs> fist. Is that what you're going for there? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, um, what we do when people are accused and who we believe and who we don't believe. Uh, but this really seems like a case where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, and it's really been a disturbing trend in the White House of people who are not qualified or really have no right being in the inner circle are there. It's crazy. There's an image. I can't remember if I sent this to you or not, but it's been going around Twitter. Uh, it's it's two images put together, and it's of Corey Lewandowski, the Mooch, Amorosa, Sebastian Gorka, Rob Porter, Sean Spicer, Rance Priebus, Mike Flynn, Steve Bannon, and Mike Pence. And the caption is, Oh, my God, I think Mike Pence just won The Apprentice because everybody else there has been either fired or resigned, and it's only been one year. Uh, these are not good people or qualified people that they're putting in the White House. Wait a minute, though. Spicy? Oh, I do love Spicy. You're going to say he's unqualified? It's oh, our boy. Spicy. No, you know, Spicy uh, – I don't want to be a Spicy apologist, but he's the kind of guy who worked for the the, the Republican – the I don't know if it's the Republican National Committee or whoever, and finally someone from the Republicans got into the White House, and they offered him the role, and he took it. I feel like he was a victim of circumstance. I figure if another like – if Marco Rubio or like Jeb Bush had won, he would have gotten the position possibly, and we'd be talking a different story about Sean Spicer, but alas, Spicy, he had a sad end to his run. Sure did, but we enjoyed him while uh, he lasted. I will say, and having watched several interviews with uh, Porter's second wife, Jennifer Willoughby, uh, this week, she does seem quite sincere uh, and shows concern for, you know, every involved in this. And, you know, the pictures of the first wife, Colby Holderness, they, they speak for themselves. And it shouldn't take a picture for us to believe uh, someone who has been abused but that certainly adds fuel to the fire. You know, it should make us believe them all the more uh, and make us feel for them and want to see something done. Uh, and in light of everything that's gone on recently uh, with victims of abuse, you know, this, this speaks volumes. 
You know, there's been a lot of talk of who knew what when. Uh, a senior administration official in the White House uh, said that John Kelly's been aware of this because it prevented Porter from getting full security clearance. And let me repeat mm. that. Rob Porter didn't have full security clearance. And now, some people may not know what a staff secretary does. The staff secretary is responsible for managing the paper flow to the president, circulating documents among senior staff or comment. And basically, he decides what lands on the president's desk. It's been called the nerve center of the White House. It's an extremely important position dealing with very sensitive information, yet Porter couldn't get full security clearance. I would say that would be like me being a classroom teacher while not having passed a criminal background check. Yeah, you know, there are certain things you should be able to do and certain you know okays you should be able to get to have jobs. He just didn't have it. And just look at some past uh, staff secretaries. I mean, it's a legit position. Harriet Myers, she was almost a Supreme Court justice. Uh, John Podesta, he later became Bill Clinton's chief of staff. Lisa Brown, she's currently the chief legal counsel for Georgetown University. So these aren't just like schlubs getting this job. These are people who went on to have huge careers in other in other areas. And now we have Rob Porter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, wait a minute, Myers, Podesta, and Brown. I mean, were they were they not uh, vetted? You know, where there there had to have been protective orders in their background, right? Of, of course, of course, these people are all horrible people because it's Washington D.C. Just kidding. Um, it, it's been really weird to see the response that people from the White House have given to this whole Porter fiasco. Uh, Kelly released a statement that called Porter a man of true integrity and honor. I can't say enough good things about him. He's a friend, a confidant, and a trusted professional. I am proud to serve alongside him. He did later say that there's no place for domestic violence in our society. Uh, but he's, again, he stands by his previous uh, comments with Rob Porter. Uh, it's just really interesting how how they've reacted to all this. Yeah, way to denigrate yourself and sell out your last ounce of integrity, General Kelly, sir. I mean, we've talked about this very briefly on other podcasts because I'm always afraid to really get into this because it's really just opening up a hornet's nest. Uh, but you know, where do we take appropriate action to weed out people? Uh, without going on a witch hunt. Uh, on Friday, Trump spoke to reporters, and he had some interesting comments, too. He said, uh, we certainly wish him well. It's obviously a very tough time for him. He did a very good job while he was in the White House. We hope he will have a wonderful career. He says he's innocent, and I think you have to remember that. And I asked Vladimir Putin if he meddled in our election, and he said no. So, you know, he must be telling the truth. Well, it's weird that he didn't give such concessions to Barack Obama when he was saying that he wasn't really an American citizen. You know, sometimes people deserve, you know, to be proven innocent or to be innocent before proving guilty. Other times they're just guilty because Trump says so. Uh, he also later tweeted, people's lives are being shattered and destroyed by mere allegations. Some are true and some are false. Some are old and some are new. There's He's a regular Dr. Seuss, isn't he? <laughs> Redfish, bluefish, uh, domestic violence fish. No, uh, there's no recovery for someone who's falsely accused. Life and career is gone. There's no such thing any longer as due process. Now, it, it's really weird. So I don't necessarily agree, disagree with the sentiment, but it really comes off as tone deaf, especially from the Oval Office. When you look at the current movement, the, the Me Too movement, and just what's happening in society, uh, he could have just come out and said, you know, domestic violence is bad, but Trump can never do the smarter, easy thing. Well, no, and, and what a hypocritical thing to say. I mean, do we not remember the Central Park Five? Where was their due process when he was blowing the horns of, you know, accusation at them? So, you know, he's not really the one to be speaking about this. And if people who aren't familiar with that, it's uh, five uh, people 
five kids, I think, back in, was it the 80s or 90s? I think it was four, Late 80s, four yeah. African-American, one Hispanic that were accused of like, rape and murder. And he took out a full page in all of the New York papers basically saying bring back the death penalty. He didn't flat out say to kill these five people, but that was the insinuation. And guess what? DNA evidence uh, later on, uh, along with uh, with someone actually confessing, proved that they didn't do it. So this is the guy we have as president right now. He's willing to kill five innocent people rather than wait for due process. And, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders has been saying for the last couple of days uh, that Trump takes domestic violence very seriously and believes all allegations need to be investigated thoroughly and that he supports victims of domestic abuse. But the weird part about that is Trump refuses to have those words actually, actually come from out of his mouth. Um, over and over and over again, they've been asking Sanders, why doesn't the president say that? And she says, well, I spoke to the president, and he said those words verbatim, word for word. Uh, so uh, I speak on behalf of the president. But he talks – for himself quite often, yet he can't get that that sentiment out of his out of his lips. It just seems really strange. Yeah, he has absolutely no problem saying all kinds of things, but he can't say this one, which would mean so much in light of you know recent events and the Me Too movement. But he won't say them. Why? You know, it makes you wonder. What is he hiding behind? Just think for the past year, two of the simplest things for a president to get right: domestic abuse and racism. And he has flubbed both of those. Uh, he can't just come out and say the thing that any other president and 95% of the country would say. He has to defend the the people who usually are undefendable. It really just kind of blows your mind when you think about it. Basket full of deplorables. <laughs> I wonder where that came from. Huh? Uh, and we've been talking about just how horrible domestic violence is, and it is horrible. Uh, but there's another aspect here. Uh, that aspect is national security. Uh, as we mentioned, Porter has one of the most important jobs in the White House, and allegations of beating your wife or wives uh, is something that you know most people wouldn't want to get out, and it's something he could possibly be blackmailed over. And while he didn't have full security clearance, he was granted interim security clearance. That's kind of what you get when you first go in there before they cross the T's and dot the I's. And I'm not accusing Porter of anything, but the fact that the potential is there is disturbing to me, especially you know when others in the White House may have been aware of his past uh, and the national security issues we have with Russia and the elections. It's just another, another notch on Trump's belt uh, for negativity and just poor judgment. We know it's convenient for the White House to say that they didn't learn the full extent of the allegations until last week, because according to CNN's Jeremy Diamond, FBI Director Chris Wray has uh, questioned the White House's timeline of events, saying that the FBI repeatedly briefed the White House on its investigation into Porter as early as last March. Yeah, but if you ask uh, Sarah Kamee Sanders that, she just basically filibusters and and reads the exact same thing over and over again. But I yeah, I was reading the same thing. The whole White House is in a fluster over this whole thing. And it's, again, it's getting caught in a lie when there's no need to really lie. You can just tell the truth, move on, and people will be talking about something else. The fact that they have to have such an odd response to these things is why it becomes a story that sticks around for a long, long time. Exactly. And by the way, this was an awe that happened with the GOP last week. Uh, also, White House speechwriter David Sorensen resigned after his f former wife claimed that he was both violent and em emotionally abusive during their two-and-a-half-year marriage. And also, Steve Wynn stepped down as CEO of uh, Wynn Resort after he was accused of over a dozen people, I think, of sexual misconduct. And he had previously resigned from his position as finance chairman of the RNC. 
Uh, and, and that actually uh, really makes me sad because my father's first name is Wynn. So uh, you know now I can't, I can't take fun fun uh, title or news stories out and give it to him anymore. They're all just really depressing, and I don't want to share that with my father. So. Yes. Understandable. Yeah. So, so last week we actually talked a little bit about uh, the spending bill that was coming up and immigration, and said that we're going to focus on that this week. And for the second time this year, the government did shut down on Thursday night. However, this one only lasted a few hours, and for the most part, both sides were able to come together and uh, get the $400 billion budget deal attached to the six-week temporary funding bill. Although people like Rand Paul and the House Freedom Caucus really tried their best to delay it. Yeah, shenanigans all around. Rand Paul. I mean, what kind of stunt are you trying to pull? There's no other senator I think that I've seen. I mean, there's been a lot of senators I say they're stupid or they're idiots or they're very smart. There's no senator I've seen quite like Rand Paul who can make really good points and then make absurd points like within the same week. It's really crazy. I never know whether he's going to be the voice of reason or just the voice of insanity. It's strange. It- Maybe that's why his neighbor attacked him and started beating him. Yeah, there was a joke. It was another senator or another congressman or maybe even somebody that had seen and made a joke like, oh, I understand what his neighbor's problem was now. And people <laughs> were like, oh, that's, that's very dark. That's not cool. But you know, Too soon. Yeah, really. Uh, so this uh, six-week uh, deal will keep the government open through March 23rd. Uh, and that's when Congress hopes to pass an omnibus spending bill that will uh, have full appropriations for the remainder of fiscal year 2018. I didn't actually watch any of this but uh, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi voted against it, and it's not a surprise because she gave an eight-hour speech against it on the House floor, and I don't even want to talk for this entire podcast without needing lots of water and, and breaks, and I couldn't do eight hours. Well, that was the longest speech in the Hall of the House of Representatives since at least 1909, according to records, and while this is not the Senate, where there is the filibuster, the House does not have a filibuster option. However, three members of the House leadership, the Speaker of the House, the Majority Leader, and Minority Leaders are allowed unlimited speaking time. So Representative Pelosi, as Minority Leader, used that privilege to her advantage. And I've talked about it before. I have a lot of problems with Nancy Pelosi. I think it's time for her to move on. But she is really good at her job, I think. And I have to give her credit for being able to talk for that long and stand up for what she believes in. One of the things she's really fighting for is to really finish this whole Dreamers debate, the DACA debate, get something done. Uh, Congress is moving its attention to immigration, and people like Senators Cornyn or my old boss, Senator Chuck Grassley, are really pushing Trump's plan, which the White House calls a dramatic concession and a compromise, but it really isn't. It's just giving Trump everything he wants. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone in their right mind would call that a compromise because it is seems to be catering to the president's desires. But, you know, is it something? Is it something that they can work through? Let's go over it really quickly. So the bill would accept a path to citizenship for you know, the roughly 700,000 people who are covered under the DACA program, as well as those who meet uh, DACA criteria but didn't sign up. So it basically gives legal status and a pathway to citizenship for about 1.8 million people. And that's something we've been talking about for a long time. It's something that we've been pushing for. It's something that the Democrats have been pushing for, although if you watch or listen to Trump's tweets, uh, he really says the Republicans are the ones that want to get DACA done. The Democrats don't want anything to do with it, which is really just an absurd statement. Yeah. So this bill, here's where we get into the dicey aspects of it. The bill also would give $25 billion put into a trust uh, for border infrastructure and technology. I'm telling you, a bigger waste of money I can't think of. There are things that could be done uh, for immigration for the border that I could get behind, uh, but a border wall isn't one of them. It's just taking money and burning it, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's not proven to be effective. 
and it doesn't address the root of the problem. Right? It's a medieval solution to a modern problem. I mean, even the Byzantine Empire with its walls of Constantinople fell to the Ottomans in 1453. So what's to say that building a wall is actually going to keep illegal immigration out? Well, when he was meeting in China, he heard that they had a wall there, and he wants to make an even bigger wall that can actually be seen from space, but, you know, seen from Jupiter or something. Uh, it always has to be the biggest and the best. Uh, the bill would also end family migration beyond spouses and minor children uh, and abolish the diversity, diversity visa lottery. And uh, interestingly enough, there are claims out there that Melania's parents, who live in the United States permanently now, uh, are here because of chain uh, migration. Now, Snopes listed that as unproven, so I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. But doesn't that sound kind of Trump hypocrisy that he just has his whole presidency built on? Oh, yeah, but, you know, they're white immigrants, so it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You know, they, they look like they belong, quote-unquote, as is Trump in Trump's mind. Um, I, I really kind of said I think this is going to pass because uh, we need to do something about the Dreamers, and I think Democrats, unfortunately, are at their wits' end. They want to get something done. Um, I, and I'll be happy for the Dreamers. Uh, they deserve to have something done, but the GOP would rather hurt people nowadays just to make a point and make Trump happy. Uh, if you look at what Senator Tom Cotton said, who is – you know, he's a character and in the worst possible way. Uh, so the president's framework bill is not an opening bid for negotiations. It's a best and final offer. So they're not looking for a compromise. They're looking to say, here's what we're giving you. Take it or leave it. Yeah, you know, they seem to be ready to go down with the ship. And to that, I say, I hope they sink like a stone. Well, they want to get this done in the next couple of weeks. So we'll see what happens. And we'll see really what people like Chuck Schumer are made of. People who have been harping on him that he gave in during the first government shutdown. People from his own, in his own party. So uh, we'll see if there is any room for negotiation, regardless of what Tom Cotton says, or if it's a take it or leave it. And they just sign Trump's thing, give him the money for the wall. And then hopefully they try to take over Congress or even the White House in four or three years and stop it. Who Because, you know, even if you give him this money, you know, that wall is not going to go up anytime soon the way normal governments work, let alone the Trump government. Excellent point, Jess. <laughs> As always. Well, before we go any further, I want to talk a little bit about our sponsor today. Today's show is brought to you by Ecosia. Ecosia is an awesome alternative to Google that you should all be using. I should be using it. You should be using it. We should all be using it. It's an ethical way to browse the internet. Now, what does that mean, ethical way to browse the internet? Ecosia invests their profits to plant trees and regenerate deforested lands all over the world. How cool is that? Here's how it works. You search the web with Ecosia. Search ads generate revenue. At least 80% of their surplus income goes into planting trees. Literally, all you have to do is what you're already doing. Search the internet. Now, they publish their monthly financial reports so that you can see what's going on. There's no funny business. And over 20 million trees have been planted already. And with your help, Ecosia can reach 1 billion trees, 1 billion trees by 2020. Ecosia has created a special URL so that our listeners can plant trees together. Go to ecosia.co backslash pod. That's E-C-O-S-I-A dot C-O slash P-O-D. Now, you're going to search the internet already, so why not just plant a tree while you're doing it? Go to Ecosia today. So earlier this week, the Trump administration outlined their policy priorities for the Trump budget. And let's look into a couple issues here. Now, I actually agree with some parts of it. There are some things I have issues with, no surprise. Uh, first is the opioid crisis. They're asking for $17 billion to fight and address the problem of opioid addiction. And to me, this is a good, good move, good news. Uh, opioid addiction is a major problem facing our country and something that has to be dealt with. Something has to be done about it. In my opinion, this is actually good spending of money rather than going to some stupid wall. This is going to help American citizens, help human beings. 
you know, and, and we've been very open about this, that we're we're always ready to give credit where it's due. And so in this case, I agree with you, Jess, that this would be appropriate spending of our money. It's actually the Mooch's little pet project, too. If you follow his stuff on Twitter, that's really what they're pushing is the opioid crisis. So that's something whether you're Republican or Democrat, you really should be able to get behind. Then, of course, there's the border wall. They say they want $18 billion uh, to fund construction of a border wall. And I can't tell if this $18 billion is in addition to the $25 billion they want in the immigration bill. That's $43 billion. From, I mean, it's to build a wall that Mexico is supposedly paying for. It's so, so stupid. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're aware if it's in addition to the $25 billion they want uh, in the immigration bill. Uh, wouldn't put it past the Trump administration to do it this way. But yeah, this is not taxpayer dollars well spent, as we've said before and we'll say again. And if you just go back to those 2015, 2016 Trump rallies, I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. You got it? No, it's, that's not going to happen. They try saying it's through tariffs. But if you raise tariffs, it just means the goods that come into America are going to cost more money for consumers. It's it's just a stupid idea. Uh, and they don't even know what they're doing. It, it's so crazy. The next issue I've actually found to be pretty divisive between Republicans and Democrats and you know, people who usually agree with me may disagree and vice versa. I'm actually not sure what I think. Um, they're pushing for a requirement that able-bodied recipients of federal uh, rental assistance shoulder more of their housing costs through work. Uh, they're also looking for something similar to be done for food stamps. And while there may be some merit to reforming these programs, when you see what they're spending money on things like the wall, it just looks bad that you're me need more money for wall but no money for uh, people who need food assistance or rental assistance. Yeah, it's a little uh, let them eat cake-ish. Uh, Tammy Lubby of CNN is calling this program with the food stamps the blue apron for food stamp uh, recipients. It's food delivery in a box that USDA is calling America's Harvest Box. Now that box would contain what the government describes as nutritious and 100% homegrown foods that would account for half the value of SNAP benefits. The remainder would be given on the electronic benefit cards as before. So at best, this seems a little hokey. Uh, at worst, it's, it's kind of demeaning. Let's not forget that Michelle Obama was basically demonized by the right for trying to have kids eat better and have healthier foods in school. How dare you tell my child what to eat and, and so on and so forth. But when the when the right does it, it's perfectly just fine. You know, it's a it's really just again the hypocrisy that you see uh, from the Trump administration. They'll flat out just support things that they hated because Obama was the one who came up with it. It's just kind of sad. Well, and they'll also hide behind it as a cost savings, not actually being concerned with the people that it's helping. And if you look at what the budget is actually going to do, it's going to add a lot of money to the deficit. So don't listen to what they say. Look at the numbers. You're a parent here. Uh, I'm not. So you may have more to say with this. I think it's actually a good idea uh, that they want to propose six weeks of uh, paid family leave to new mothers and fathers, uh, including adoptive parents. I think that's a smart move. Yeah, sure is. Thank you, Ivanka. We know that this was one of the things that she pushed her father on uh, during the campaign and now into his presidency. So, yeah, I do agree with this. I, I agree that if especially in the Republican Party tends to stand behind family values, if you want to have, you know, the, the nuclear, the family and those family values be important, then you've got to allow for time for a family to bond over, you know, the six weeks of fa paid family leave for new parents. So I, I think this is a really good thing. 
the next part of this budget just makes me really sad. Uh, they're looking to prioritize fossil fuel programs. It's a, it's a giant step back, if you ask me. Uh, they want to focus on fossil fuel programs at the expense of renewable energy and climate change programs. You know, why move forward with green technology uh, and when we can, you know, go back and take oil out of the ground and use coal and just pollute the earth even more? Yeah, you know, clean coal. It's an oxymoron. It's almost as big as the oxymoron of Trump presidency. I understand that you know, these are things that were once once helped make our country great, as Trump likes to say, make America great again. Uh, but the technology is there. We may not be quite there yet, but it's worth investing in the future uh, for, for new ways to get energy, green ways to get energy. Uh, if you look what's happening to this earth, uh, it, it's not going great <laughs> in, the, in the grand scheme of things. And uh, he's really going to be selling out the world, I think, just to make his base happy. The people who work – and there's nothing wrong with working blue-collar jobs. The blue-collar jobs that are in these fossil fuel areas. Uh, again, I have friends from West Virginia, and I know how much they rely on coal. But unfortunately, that time has passed, and there's no need to use those kind of things when there's a better alternative. Right. When the facts change, our opinions should change, as Jesse has been known to say on the show. I have and- been known. And, you know, make America great again. Well, there are some things that we can't go back to because the facts have changed. The science has proven that these types of energy are no longer good for our planet. So we need to be investing in those things that will allow for sustainability. Coal is not one of them. Yeah, and why not? Well, we're at it. Let's open up more federal lands to oil drilling. That's what the Department of Interior wants to do. And uh, that's the exact opposite of what the Department of Interior should be there for. They should be there to protect what's happening in, in these places, not, hey, you know what, let's give you another couple thousand acres to do more drilling. Why not? And and while we're at it, why don't we just truck it right through a Native American burial ground? So let's yeah. touch all the bases. Well, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful. When I bought my house, I did do research to make sure it wasn't built on an ancient Indian burial ground. I've seen poltergeist went too many times. I was a little afraid of where I might be moving into. Can't say I blame you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're looking to get rid of the ACA again. No surprise there. Um, Just a couple of miscellaneous things. This is the problem. We talked about this early on in the podcast when we first started last year. Um, Trump wants to eliminate housing and urban development programs that fund local, charitable, and community causes. They want to eliminate the Community Development Block Grant, which provides funding to things like Meals on Wheels. And again, he wants to take away funding, eliminate funding for things like the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment of the Arts. That's PBS and NPR. Uh, when we're giving billions and billions of dollars for a border wall, you can't you know, give a little money for these nice things. No, of course. And you remember when uh, the great Elmo of Sesame Street made an appearance on one of our first episodes to speak out against this, right? I mean, you're cutting out those things that are hallmarks of American culture that we have developed over the last 50 years. Uh, things like PBS and NPR, which are, are the humanities. You know, you cannot sell out the humanities for all these other things just because you find uh, PBS to be a waste of money. It is not. And to date, uh, I'm pretty sure that Elmo is still the biggest guest we've had on this podcast. Hoping to change that, though, we move into our second year. Hope so. <laughs> All right. The last thing I want to talk about, Kevin, before we get to Kevin's corner, is uh, our old friend Amarosa. You know, Kevin, you know I'm a big reality TV fan. Uh, I even have another podcast called Bring Me Your Torch. It's a focused podcast on reality TV. Um, so last week, Celebrity Big Brother premiered on it was uh, former White House staffer Amarosa Manigault Newman, although she's kind of like Madonna these days. You can just call her Amarosa, and I think people know who she is. 
Uh, no offense to Cher, but yes. yes. Sorry, Cher, you too. Um, so most people probably know her from season one and 13 of The Apprentice. Uh, she really played the role of villain. I don't even know if she played. I think she just kind of is a villain. Uh, she was also fired from the White House back in December under really bizarre circumstances. No one really know, seems to know what happened, and we'll get to that in, in a few minutes. Uh, but now she finds herself on TV and, of course, still making news. Uh, last week, uh, she said she was haunted by tweets every single day and never knew what Trump was going to tweet next. Uh, she said that working for Trump felt like it was a call of duty uh, and that she was serving her country, not Trump. I don't know, Kevin, that sounds like something you just say after you get fired by an unpopular president, not while you're still working for him. Yeah, pretty sure that's exactly what that is. No, I wasn't working for Trump. I, I was serving our country. Yeah, okay, I'm sure that's exactly what you're doing. Uh, and in a very famous uh bit of the show, which was actually picked up by a lot of TV shows, like on CNN and MSNBC and so on, uh, another person on the show asked, uh, you know, is it going to be okay? Should we be worried? And she said, it's not going to be okay. It's not. It's bad. And again, well, I agree with uh, Amarosa uh, that it's not good. Again, it just sounds like more BS. It sounds like she's not for number one and everything she says could potentially be a lie and I have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Book deal next month. There's also something really weird going on. She always calls him Mr. Trump. I don't know if that's out of The Apprentice, but she calls Bill Cosby Mr. Cosby when talking to uh, the actress who used to play Rudy on, on, the, on the Cosby show. Although I saw Malcolm Jamal Warner, and he called him Mr. Cosby, too. So maybe it's just some of these weirdo guys make, make the rest of them call them Mr. Yeah, and it just seems strange. Hmm. Yeah, well, it would seem that some of these guys now uh, we find to have interesting skeletons in their closet. So. And she really tried to say that, uh, you know, you should understand what I'm talking about because you had a relationship with Bill Cosby. I had a relationship with, with Trump. And while both are not doing so well in the public eye these days, at least uh, growing up with Bill Cosby, uh, you know, on the set with him, that's a different relationship than, you know, being fired by him twice. But that's neither here nor there. Um, she also acted like she was the one person in the entire White House trying to help. She would say, I tried to be that person, and then all of the people around attacked me. It was like, keep her away from him. Don't give her access. Don't let her talk to him. And it's like Ivanka's there and Jared's there. Again, it's kind of name drop. I think she's really overestimating her importance to the White House. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we still aren't sure of is exactly what her job was. I don't even think the White House knows, to be honest with you. No, as I've always said, I, I really honestly feel it was like token minority. Yeah, and, and it hurts to say that, so I understand why she doesn't want to say that's the, what the problem was. And this White House, uh, you know, they can't let anything go, and uh, they decided it was appropriate to comment on Amorosa. Um, Deputy Press Secretary last week, Raj Shah, said the administration isn't taking her comments seriously and that she's had no contact with the president since leaving office. Um, Amorosa was fired three times in The Apprentice, and this was the fourth time we let her go. Now, first of all, Raj, I don't think you were working for NBC when The Apprentice was on, so I don't know what he's saying. It's the fourth time we've let her go. It's the fourth time Trump has fired her, I guess. And, and Raj, speaking of token minority, from token minority to token immigrant, I mean, his parents are from India. So what is the Trump administration trying to prove here? They're like, oh, look, we, we like immigrants. It's OK. And he did grow up, though, in Nora, Connecticut, another Connecticut guy on the on the, the political landscape. Yeah, I believe uh, a graduate of Brian McMahon High School. Here's the problem, though. If you're going to say she was fired three times and this is the fourth, why would you hire her after being fired three times? Why would you bring her to the White House if she was such a loser? Uh, it just goes against you – know, they're, they're hurting themselves with their argument. Yeah, I thought Trump didn't do losers. No, no. He only hires the best people except for all those people that we talked about who resigned or who were fired. 
So then last night's episode came out, and more comments on – I hope she actually sticks around now because I do like hearing this stuff. Uh, she said, as bad as you all think Trump is, you would be worried about Pence. Everybody that's wishing for impeachment may want to reconsider their life. We would be begging for the days of Trump if Pence became president. That's all I'm saying. He's extreme. I'm Christian. I love Jesus. Uh, he thinks Jesus tells him to say things. Uh, that's that's not good. <laughs> okay, I get that. And that idea has been floated around since the election, that Pence is – uh, ideologically worse than Donald Trump as far as being extreme to the right. Um, and we know that he's very religious. He can't even be in the same room with a, a woman <laughs> unless his wife is there. Uh, you know, But we've done, been down this road before. I mean, George W. Bush believed that God gave him the direction to do some of the things he did. So, And as we're finding out now, in comparison, he was not so bad. Uh, Pence, while he might be ideologically extreme, is at least a stable... Uh, more mainstream politician and some of the issues that we're facing on the world stage, North Korea, for example, might be dealt with differently. And I actually don't think that Pence is reelectable. I mean, he'll get the the Republican base at 30 percent that always will be with Trump. But those the swing voters, I think, will look at him and say, this isn't the kind of guy I want. First of all, he doesn't have – if you want to call charisma what Trump has, I – would necessarily call it that, but whatever the je ne sais quoi that uh, Trump has that brought so many people over to him, uh, he doesn't have that. Pence is just like this old, freaky, white, you know, white-haired, stiff as a board guy that isn't going to be bringing anybody, you know, new over to his side. At least I don't think so. Yeah, not exactly the kind of guy you'd want to have a drink with at the bar. I mean, I don't even think he drinks. I mean, didn't didn't Jesus drink, or he turned water to wine? I don't know. I'm I'm Jewish. I don't know these things. Um, so, anyways, it came out today. Again, I'm sure you know the White House did this because Amoroso was talking garbage about them, talking trash. Uh, that uh, Amoroso was fired for abusing the White House car service, which I guess they call carpet. Uh, apparently, she relied on it for office pickups and drop-offs, which is strictly forbidden by federal government. Uh, and then they said, uh, in an attempt to appeal to Trump following her dismissal, she tripped the electronic Secret Service wire and was escorted from the West Wing. We had heard parts of that back in December when she was fired. Um, it, it's it's just a, a weird chapter of her life that's coming to a close. I mean, she went from being in the White House to being in the Big Brother house uh, all in the span of a month or so. It's not something you usually see. All right, Kevin, what do we have for Kevin's Corner this week? Well, Jess, the character of the Trump administration continued to take a hit this week as more than one aide to the president was forced to resign over issues of personal conduct, specifically domestic abuse. This is disheartening and disgusting, to say the least, and it speaks to just what type of quality person is attracted to working in the Trump White House. On top of this issue is the general attitude the administration takes towards those among us who are of the most amount of need. Putting the onus on the undocumented immigrants and insisting on building a wall along our border rather than acknowledging the real problems driving immigrants towards the United States shows carelessness. Even more tone deaf is the administration's plan to restructure the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, for impoverished families to include replacing the full amount of money with a box of government-chosen food items. While there may be a minority who abuse the current system, they do not represent the entirety. Not only is this insulting on its face, it also ignores the needs of the differing cultural groups that reside legally within our great country. Altogether, it reminds us that this administration, despite its fervent claims, does not now and likely never will represent the majority of these United States. Well said, Kevin, well said. 
Before we leave you today, I want to remind you of a few things. I want to remind you to go to our sponsor, Ecosia's website at Ecosia, that's E-C-O-S-I-A dot C-O slash pod. Uh, remember to go to the iTunes store and give us a review. It actually does matter, and I know what it's like. I have lots of things I use that it asks me to review them. I'm like, eh, I'm too lazy, but just take a couple minutes of your day and do it. It really would mean a lot to us. And finally, make sure to come back here next week for our one-year anniversary. It's been, it'll be one year doing the pod next week. I never thought we would get here, Kevin. Uh, it seems like we've been doing this forever, though, at the same time. Sure does, and you know what a wonderful year it's been. Well, until next week, uh, we'll see you, Kevin. Later.